Morning, everybody. Robes are back. We're all very excited about it in the chancellor here. Just a couple of announcements for you before we get underway. They're mostly related to education. Uh, Tasha's bakery district class has a new topic. They are into week two, uh, and I have written it down for you because I might forget it. Uh, it is the history of Christianity through 33 objects traveling the world from your couch. It's not really from your couch because it's at the bakery district, but you get the idea. You'll be seated and in America, so it is like a journey through the world, but not. Anyway, that'll be Wednesdays at 10, uh, ongoing at the bakery. Uh, also, the pastor's class is back. Tasha taught uh, week one of that this morning. Uh, our sermon series for the next several weeks focuses on things called the cardinal virtues. These are the opposites of the seven deadly sins. Uh, so the class will focus on those two together. So the virtue and the sin uh, together on Sunday mornings. Everybody likes it when the virtue and the sin are together. So anyway, that'll be the class uh, for pastors. And then finally, um, the uh, women's Bible studies are back for the fall. You know them as circles, but you might as well retrain your brain. They are Bible studies. We deduced that almost nobody stood in a circle at the women's circles, and so we decided to call them what they are. They're Bible studies, and every woman in the church is invited 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. on Tuesday. With all that in mind, let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God. call to worship comes from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we have come to this sanctuary to this holy place, to have new hearts created, clean hearts. 
we begin by giving all glory and honor and praise to you, great God. We ask for your Holy Spirit's work among us in this time of worship, restoring us and renewing us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. remain standing as we confess our sin before God and before one another. It is printed in our bulletins and on the screen. Holy and gracious God, we pray for your mercy in our lives. We have sinned against you and against one another. We have hoarded our wealth and made ourselves slaves to our possessions. We have failed to live charitably with our neighbors. We pray that you would instill us anew with the spirit of generosity and selflessness. Help us to contribute to those in need and release us from the tyranny of wealth. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I offer to you this day the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, who is in a position to condemn you? It is only Christ. And Christ died for you. He rose for you, he reigns in power for you, and he prays for you. Know that in Christ you are forgiven, and now be people of peace. <laughs> 
Let's sing to God's glory. seated. So as I mentioned, we are beginning a new sermon series this week. It's called Reset, and the reason we called it that is because every once in a while, we probably need to reset the ways in which we live out our faith. So with that in mind, today we're going to talk about charity, and in order to do that, we're going to read two passages, one from the prophet Isaiah, one from the Gospel of Matthew. Before we do that, let's pray. Gracious and holy and merciful God, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for its proclamation and the ways in which it rests and resides in our hearts and our lives. Open our ears that we might hear it. Open our minds that we might serve you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, our first scripture reading is Isaiah 58, beginning with verse 6. I invite you now to listen to God's word to us this morning. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger the speaking of evil. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now Matthew. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So picture yourself way, way back in March of 1865. You have managed to make your way to the steps of the Capitol, and President Lincoln is about to deliver his second inaugural address. The Civil War is going into its fifth year. It is all but one, yet fighting persists, and there is no peace. 
Lincoln's second inaugural address is one of our most famous pieces of American literature. It is a pretty amazing work. I hadn't read it, I don't think, all the way through since I was in high school until this week. And I recommend that all of you take a minute sometime over the week ahead to do that. Uh, it's strikingly brief. Any guesses on how long it is? 701 words in total. Oh, that our politicians today could embrace such brevity. 701 words. I thought about reading all of them to you, but I thought that just might be a little too much to ask on Sunday morning. But I do want to read the end of his address to you. So this is the last paragraph. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. And that's the end. As I was thinking about charity this week, these were some of the words that came into my mind. It's one of the most famous uses of the word charity in our American lexicon, the way Lincoln used it here. But how do we think about it when we use it today? When, when you think about the word charity, what comes to mind? Probably it is giving away money, right? You think of charity as giving away money, maybe stuff. You think of organizations that help people in our community as charities. You go to charity auctions, charity fundraisers every once in a while, perhaps. You go to a charity gala. But charity, in the way in which we use the word, charity is related to giving away stuff. But when you read Lincoln's address, it doesn't seem like that definition entirely fits. Is that what he's talking about here at the end? Is he talking about giving away stuff to the defeated South? Is he talking about giving away money to the soldier, to their orphan, to the poor, to their children? Not entirely. He's talking about something more than that. The definition of charity that we use today in 21st century America is quite different than the definition with which he was working. And so that's the definition that I want us to explore today, and that's why I chose the passage from Matthew, which I picked. I could have picked a lot of different passages. There's plenty of passages in the New Testament about giving everything away, about selling all of your possessions, but no, I didn't want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about this. So Jesus is in the midst of all of these sayings of, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you sorts of things. And he gets to this spot, and he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. And he says to his listening crowd that they should turn the other cheek, that if they are sued, they should give not only their shirt, but also their cloak, that they should walk the extra mile, that they should give to anyone who begs from them, that this is how they should live in the world. Now, what was Jesus talking about here? This is not the type of charity to which we are accustomed. Jesus was living in a fairly difficult time. I know it's quite popular these days to say, this is the worst time to ever be alive. 
Have you heard that in the last couple years? Boy, this is just the worst time to be alive. I'm here to tell you that this is pretty much just par for the course of being human. Almost every time is a very difficult time to be alive. When Jesus had everybody gathered before him that afternoon on the mount overlooking the Sea of Galilee, it was a difficult time to be alive. The people to who he was speaking were not free people. They were living under the yoke of Roman oppression, Roman tyranny. Anytime they left their houses, they could be asked to do a soldier's work for them. Anytime they left their houses, they might be disrespected by their Roman occupiers, slapped with that occupier's left hand on their left cheek. Every time they left the house, they might have some sort of injustice levied against them. Every time they left the house, they would be reminded of the crippling poverty around them by those who were begging. Every time they left the house, this was their reality. That they lived in the midst of a very difficult and very challenging world. And in the midst of those difficulties, and in the midst of those challenges, and in the midst of that tyranny, and in the midst of that oppression, this is what Jesus chooses to say to them. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give your cloak also, give to anyone who begs. What is he offering to them? What's he offering to them? Certainly not a more comfortable lifestyle. Certainly not rest and relaxation. He's not offering that to them at all. What's he offering to them? He's offering them freedom. This understanding of charity that Jesus uses here, this understanding, this is about freedom. And again, when we think about freedom in our day and age, what do we think about? We tend to think about freedom as the ability to do whatever we want. But that is not the freedom that Jesus is interested in. Jesus is not interested in the freedom which allows some of us to sit in our chair for 10 hours on a Saturday and watch college football and rub their Labrador's ears. That's not the type of freedom on offer. The type of freedom on offer is freedom from the tyrannies which plague our hearts in this world. Freedom, specifically in this passage, from the tyranny of the desire for revenge. The tyranny of the desire for our own pride. The tyranny of the desire for our own accumulation of as much as we can scratch together. These things and these forces in the world seek to oppress us. Jesus is offering freedom to us in this passage, and he's offering us freedom by telling us to give things away. Our cheek, our time, our cloak, our money. We give these things away in order to proclaim who we are and to live into our identity as followers of Jesus. I'm going to assume that since we all gathered here on a Sunday morning, since we all willingly left our homes and sat in this space, that we would like to be followers of Jesus. And if we would like to do that, this is what that means. This is what freedom means to us. And what makes it so difficult, 
What makes it, I think, so challenging for us is that the freedom described here by Jesus through this type of charity, the freedom which rejects an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that freedom is not reinforced at all in our daily lives. We are bombarded with the opposite message in our lives. Bombarded. We are bombarded by voices which tell us that if we have been wronged, we should exact revenge. We are bombarded by voices which tell us that we should give only if the other person has earned it. We are bombarded by voices which tell us that the most important thing we can have is our own pride. We are bombarded by these voices in almost every format and almost every platform that we encounter. What was it that Lincoln paired with the word charity? It was malice. With malice toward none and charity for all. We are surrounded by a malice industrial complex and we have been forever. It is loud and it is strong and it tells us that we should embrace the values to which Jesus speaks specifically against in this passage. We have to understand who we are and we have to understand the voices that are speaking to us constantly in this world. They are not charitable. Imagine, imagine the people arrayed on the steps that March day in 1865. Imagine how they felt and the justification they had in their hearts as they listened to Lincoln's words about malice for none and charity for all. Imagine how they felt. They had lost sons and brothers and fathers. They had had property destroyed. They had had wealth taken from them. They had spent years under the cloud of war, years. They were surrounded by voices pressing for vengeance, pressing that their rights and their claims should be paid by the beaten South. And Lincoln stood before them and he said, with malice toward none and charity towards all. Charity is who we are as followers of Jesus. It is our freedom. It is what allows us to live in this world and to let go of those things that enslave us, those feelings that demand revenge, demand our own type of justice, demand the accumulation of more and more and more. It is our freedom from those things. The title for this sermon was taken from an old short story by Herman Melville. It was written in the 1850s. And I know all of you came to church this morning hoping for a Melville quote. So who am I to disappoint you? All your life, he wrote, nothing but charity sustains you. All your life. Naught but charity sustains you and all others in the world. It is tempting for us to think that we have never been the recipients of charity. It's tempting for us to think that we have never needed charity at all. 
And yet, has no one ever turned the cheek to us after we have wronged them? Has no one ever gone the extra mile for us? Has no one ever given us their cloak as well, in addition to what we needed? Has no one ever looked upon us and acted with abundant generosity? I would say all of us have been recipients of charity in our lives. I would say the best parts of this world and the best parts of our lives are marked by the charity which we have received. All your life, nothing but charity has sustained you. Our charity is our freedom. Our charity is our identity in Jesus Christ. It is what it means when we say that we are his followers. It is our ability to look on the other and to release our desire for vengeance. It is our ability to look upon someone else and go the extra mile. It is our ability to give to everyone who begs. It is the ability to give not just our shirt, but our cloak as well. It is our ability to let go of the shackles and fetters of the world and to embrace the freedom of Jesus Christ. That is our charity. And so, as Abraham Lincoln rightly said, it must be charity for all. Amen. As we prepare ourselves for our prayers together today, I want to share with you um, a health concern with our sister Prissy Buchanan. Many of you know Prissy well, and if you do not know her personally, you see her in the choir loft every week, uh, smiling back at you. Uh, Prissy had a stroke this week. Uh, she is recovering very well um, at a Mercy Rehab facility but I know she would covet our prayers this morning um, and your prayers throughout this week for her. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us your grace, given us your mercy, You are a charitable giver all day long. Help us to live in response. Help us to live in the freedom of the virtue of charity. We know that for so many of us this is difficult. And to even begin, we will need your help, your guidance. And so we pray for that this day in each of our lives. We pray for transformed hearts. Lord, as we look at your world, 
this day. We have so many prayers to offer. We pray for all those whose lives were changed forever on September 11th, 21 years ago. And especially this day, we pray for those who grieve the losses the most. We pray for all those who grieve losses in war, in battle, in attacks. Today we pray for the people of Ukraine. We even pray for the people of Russia that your will and your work would be done in those places. We pray for all those who need your support and your healing in body, mind, spirit. Especially this morning, we pray for Prissy. We give you thanks for her life, and we pray for her continued recovery. And we offer to you now, both in silence and aloud, prayers for particular people and situations. Hear our prayers. Lord, we give you thanks for the work you are doing in this world, in the lives of our neighbors, and in our own life. We give you thanks for the grace that you have shown us, and we pray that we would be people who live in response, in thanksgiving to that grace. And so it is with one voice, one thankful voice, that we offer the prayer that your Son Jesus has taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you would like to give an offering following worship, there is a basket at the front and there are kiosks at the entrances. For now, this music is an offering to God.
Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you would take the gifts of our lives, that you would multiply them and use them for your glory. And we pray that you would take the very gift of our lives and that you would use our lives for your glory as well. Help us to be Christ's hands and feet in this world. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. I know it says we're going to ordain and install elders, but we're not. So we're going to sing instead. I should have read the whole address. All right, well, you can beat the Baptist to lunch. And now, my friends, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.